This is Lisa Miller and Associates, Florida Insurance Roundup, your podcast on the people, issues, and regulations shaping Florida's insurance market. Now, here's Lisa Miller. Welcome, friends. Florida's private flood insurance market is growing while Congress tries to find its way to potential fixes for the beleaguered National Flood Insurance Program. And now, just in time for the start of hurricane season, the Florida legislature has made it even easier for private flood insurance companies to write this insurance here in the Sunshine State. The private market, quashed for decades, is seen as a much-needed alternative and complement to the debt-ridden, increasingly expensive federal government's National Flood Insurance Program, or commonly called the NFIP. We'll bring you an update on the NFIP as well in just a few minutes. The recent changes in Florida law are championed by Senator Jeff Brandis from Pinellas County, which in his words is ground zero for flooding and sea level rise. Here's what he told those of us attending the recent Florida Association for Insurance Reform Flood Insurance Conference in Tampa, VMAM Best TV. I think we encourage the private market by getting out of the way, getting government out of the way, allowing flexibility, uh, encouraging our Office of Insurance Regulation to understand the risk of private flood, uh, encouraging mappers and modelers to uh, to get into the state and, and really understand the risk in Florida. Senator Brandis and his colleague, Representative Larry Lee's successful flood insurance bill, does that by extending rate deregulation from 2019 to 2025, relaxing eligibility requirements to write flood insurance lines of business, allowing commercial lines coverage, both residential and non-residential, clarifying the meaning of excess flood insurance coverage, and extending the surplus lines exemption for the diligent effort requirement to 2019. The bill is short and sweet and is an effort to keep a private flood insurance top of mind as Congress debates this summer the renewal of the NFIP program. The bill caps three years of Senator Brandis's hard work and progressive state legislation to modernize Florida's flood insurance marketplace. So far, it's working, and now the government monopoly on flood is no longer the only game in town. With the help of insurance industry powerhouses Guy Carpenter and AIR Worldwide, the world's leading reinsurance broker and catastrophe modeling firm, respectively, Early adopters like Tampa-based American Integrity Insurance Company and 10 other companies are now riding primary flood coverage in Florida. Why do we care so much? Florida has nearly 2 million of the NFIP's 5 million policies, and although we buy insurance hoping to never need it, Florida policyholders are contributing greatly to the cause with an NFIP statistic that for every $4 Floridians pay in premiums, these same policyholders have received just a dollar in claims benefits. So it's very clear that Florida's taxpaying citizens and businesses are subsidizing the rest of the nation's NFIP policyholders. Now to the progress being made in Washington, D.C. to fix the NFIP. With the program's expiration date in September, the U.S. House is making progress toward a series of reforms designed to tackle the program's $24.6 billion in debt and improve access and affordability for homeowners. There are six legislative proposals currently that are circulating, with one of them titled, for example, the Flood Insurance Affordability and Sustainability Act of 2017. Just the title itself tells you what it's trying to do, but in essence, it expands the role of private insurance companies, mandates that the NFIP purchase reinsurance, and offers voluntary buyouts of properties that repeatedly flood for eventual federal demolition. 
A recent Government Accountability Office report suggests that Congress consider full forgiveness of the debt to the Treasury and going forward use means-based subsidies for purchasing policies and even for mitigation. And this suggestion, which will be a source of heated debate, expand the mandatory flood insurance purchases to most homeowners to help subsidize the entire program, meaning what all those that follow insurance trends know, spread the risk. Here's the GAO's Alicia Puente Cackley talking about this very idea. One potential action that Congress could take would be to expand the mandatory purchase requirement that is already in place for people inside the highest risk zones to cover all mortgages from federally regulated lenders. That would obviously make the cost of insurance higher for more property owners, but the premium rates for those, those owners would probably be relatively low because they certainly are at lower risk than the highest risk zones. Ms. Cackley's idea is a simple one. It's a fundamental of insurance that says spreading the risk among a large population makes economic and risk reduction sense. And it is our belief that she's talking about spreading that risk among the private insurance companies that are entering the flood insurance arena. We can learn from our country's attempts in the health insurance discussion. The theory behind the Affordable Care Act was to make everyone purchase health insurance so that the low-risk folks subsidize the high-risk folks. We all know this idea isn't perfect, and we can learn from our mistakes in the national health insurance process as Congress moves in that direction for flood insurance if we move in that direction. We applaud the GAO for suggesting the very expansion of mandatory coverage as a way to bring people who really need flood insurance but may not realize it into the system. There is a misconception among many homeowners that just because they are not in a high-risk zone, they don't have to worry about flooding. Senator Brandis acknowledged during remarks at the recent FAIR conference in St. Pete that NFIP's debt and unsustainable subsidies will force rates to rise even further on top of the recent 15 to 20% increases. That will hurt affordability of flood insurance and with it, home buying and the real estate market and the affordability of it, particularly for those properties in high-risk flood zones that can't get mortgages without flood insurance. Here is Senator Brandis again, and he offered this solution via an interview with AM Best TV. We think many of the low-risk properties inside the NFIP will find a private flood insurance market that to, to go into. And so essentially it will turn into what kind of like a citizen's property insurance. I think citizen's property insurance is probably the model that they should look at for the NFIP. Allow private insurers to bundle together properties within uh, the NFIP and take them out just like citizens did. But I think if you look at citizens in NFIP, that's really where this is all going. Senator Brandis is spot on. Citizens' property insurance is the perfect model for watching a government entity slowly work its way out of being in a business that the private industry can handle. As citizens' has property insurance has gradually shrunk by glide-pathing their rate increases in a measured way of 10% per year since 2009, private property insurance companies have grown as a result. NFIP should embrace this gradual, measured approach, and we should support Senator Brandis's work as he lobbies Congress with his idea. Congress's bill to fix the NFIP would also lift the mystical curtain on NFIP rate-making and lost information, a source of great debate. Mitigation is included, too, with proposed funding for putting homes on pilings to raise them above future floodwaters. The bill would reauthorize NFIP through 2027 with approval of the U.S. Senate and the President.
Sticking points about this particular proposal include how to ease current regulation on private insurance companies to encourage their participation and how to deal with chronic flood properties that refuse to sell, especially in vulnerable coastal areas. There are a handful of other bills circulated in the U.S. Capitol that cover a lot of ground, including capping NFIP annual premium increases at 15%, eliminating the non-compete clause for write-your-own insurance companies that administer the paperwork for NFIP. There's over 100 of these. Capping insurance agent commissions on those WYO policies, allowing local governments to produce their own alternative flood maps, and requiring an annual outside actuarial review of the NFIP. Our firm has been asked to provide input, and we've reached out to many of you to get your feedback as well. FEMA, which runs the NFIP, says it wants to double the number of flood policies to 10 million by 2023 to help fund the system, a voluntary alternative to the GAO's idea of forcing insurance policies among many, many more Americans. As a matter of fact, FEMA is reaching out to the National Association of Realtors for help, and the realtors have been at center stage one in every conversation about reforming the NFIP. FEMA Deputy Administrator Roy Wright was quoted recently that he believes the majority of the 5 million new flood insurance policies FEMA is aiming for over the next seven years will happen in the private market. In all of this discussion, NFIP acknowledges its competing goals. One, to make flood insurance available and affordable so more people can have it. And two, to be fiscally responsible to the national taxpayers in avoiding debt. With the two megastorms of Katrina and Sandy and their crushing billions in claims payments, NFIP has proven that's just not possible, at least going it alone. We do need a vibrant private insurance market. All of this news is encouraging as we roll our way to September 2017, and all eyes will be on Washington, D.C. Growing consumer awareness, new catastrophe modeling technology, and regulatory dynamics are finally aligning. Consumers stand to benefit by having a single insurance company cover flood, storm, and other homeowner perils, a process that was done many, many years ago, and perhaps it will return. Florida is indeed a shining example for the rest of the country of what private flood insurance can look like and offer. We want to hear from you. Do you think mandatory flood insurance, as the GAO suggests, is going too far? If flood insurance were more affordable, would you buy it? What do you think is wrong with the current system, and what do we need to do to fix it? You can call us and leave your question or comment for our later reply right here on the Florida Insurance Roundup. The number to call is 850-388-8002. Again, that number is 850-388-8002. Or drop an email to me at Lisa Miller at lisamillerassociates.com. On this podcast show notes page, you'll find the bills and reports we've referenced in today's program, along with the top 10 facts about the National Flood Insurance Program, which details NFIP policies, limits, and their shortcomings. You'll also find a link to the Florida Office of Insurance Regulations list of private flood insurance companies writing that coverage in our great state. 
In part two of this program, we'll look at the new technological advances in flood insurance. We'll talk to a company that's helping catastrophe modelers figure out into their equations what should be done about reducing flood risk with a device that's called a foundation flood vent, an old concept finding a new practice here in Florida and across the country. So let us hear from you on the issues we discussed on today's program. At Lisa Miller Associates, we have a passion for policy and client success. You can email me directly at Lisa Miller at lisamillerassociates.com. And our phone number again is 850-388-8002. Leave us a message and we'll get back to you soon. That's the Florida Insurance Roundup. Thank you for being a part of it. I'm Lisa Miller. Until next time, be safe. This has been Lisa Miller and Associates' Florida Insurance Roundup, your podcast on the people, issues, and regulations shaping Florida's insurance market. For more information on today's program, please visit us on the web at www.lisamillerassociates.com.